Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Hickey joins me. This feels very weird. This is very yeah, throwback-y. throwback. So, but before we we dive into everything that happened this weekend, I have a non-racing racing question, but it's sports related. So I have a, a good friend of mine from college who says he grew up a Red Wings fan. Now he's rooting for the Oilers because he wants to see Connor McDavid win a Stanley Cup. Is this acceptable in sports fandom to just start rooting for another team? It depends on the situation. So I guess on this subject, I'm a little biased because I also love yes. McJesus. Likewise. So he's he is my second favorite player in the league behind Kirill Kaprizov. So in that sense, I think that's fine, especially since the Red Wings are out of it. You got to do something to get you motivated for the remainder of playoffs, whether you're like sports betting or just hitching your wagon. And he's not even necessarily rooting for the Oilers. So if you're just rooting for an individual player, I think we can okay. allow that. Yeah, as long as at the beginning of next season, you are rooting for the Red Wings at the start of the year. However unlikely it is that they'll win the Stanley Cup. I think it's acceptable as well. Kind of lame that the Oilers lost last night, but uh, yes, I think it's also okay for you to root for the Penguins nope, for the whole nope. playoffs. I will be rooting for to. Florida, not Pittsburgh. Yes. Oh, because of Drew? You could be rooting for the Rangers for Jeff. I, I would be okay with the Rangers winning because in addition to Jeff being a Rangers fan, my dad is a Rangers fan, so family. Sorry, no offense to Jeff, but family greater than symbol Jeff, but... Mm. Oh no! Hitting yeah. the hard truths. But I did see the, the Jeffs this weekend. I walked almost a mile to see the Jeffs on Saturday in ninety degree heat. I I did see that. I was just checking. I was trying to find your uh, go enjoy your yeah. day tweet, and oh. I didn't didn't find any. But uh, I did see you say to Jeff, "Don't tell me what to eat." <laughs> when he said to come walk this way, which is yes. a very Jeff response. So. Uh, well, why don't you uh, why don't you talk about that? How was seeing people that you enjoy and Christian? How was that? <laughs> it was a good weekend. It was fun to catch up with with some people that I I hadn't seen in a while, friends around the track, and I mean Barber is such a beautiful facility that it's it's really nice to be there. The new media center is in a horrible location, so it's kind of a hike to get anywhere around the track, but. I'm not going to complain that much about that, unlike some other people. But you know, it it is what it is. Yeah, <clears throat> but it was still, you know, it was a, it was a fun weekend. I I went to a speaking of sports, I went to the or we all went to the USFL game Saturday night, which was an experience. I did not stay till the end of the game because well, I was with Kevin Jajewski, and we had both been up since about six in the morning. And by ten o'clock at night, I wanted nothing more than to go to sleep so it was an experience though it was very interesting but we're not a flip any rules that you liked well you know i I really you can go for like three a three-point conversion in in the usfl right like they have have like the weird rule it's like i know you can go for like a two-point conversion like at the two-yard line but i think at the 10-yard line you can go for like a three-point conversion instead of Kicking an extra point. I wanted to see that. I did not see that. Mainly because the quarterback play in that league is horrendous. 
Like Mike Glennon would be a superstar in that league. Shout out to Jeff for that one. Yeah. Oh God, it's bad. It's, it can't it's, be, it's real bad. Can't be that I mean, bad. It's it's painful. And the oh, other thing, geez. not to like, not that we're a football podcast, but the and I'm far from as knowledgeable in football as like you or or lighting, but the play call, the play calling is terrible. It's either run up, run up the middle, pass, you know, a, a short little out route to a receiver, or like maybe once in a while they'll take a shot and the quarterback will overthrow him by forty yards. So it's there was a lot of first down runs that went for one yard. I didn't realize Matt Nagy was coaching. <laughs> yeah, Matt Nagy and whoever the Giants coach was last year were the were the coaches. Joe Judge, oh, yes. Joe Judge. Um anyways, so other than the media center and the Jeffisms. It was a was fun weekend. Good? It's it's because of how spread out everything is, it's a really exhausting weekend. But you know, the the place is beautiful. There's a Bucky's across the street now, which I had never been to before until this weekend. And it was a for those who don't know. Oh, yeah. Good point. I'll admit, including me. What is Bucky's is like a convenience store with some clothes that you can buy with an alcohol section with a beef jerky station with a fresh breakfast and lunch food section with a coffee bar all mixed into one with like 800 gas pumps outside. Okay. So for those stuck in Minnesota and Wisconsin, shout out lighting if you're listening. So basically like a quick trip, a, a massive, up here. massive quick if, trip. Um, yeah. Yeah. Quick trips are s- yeah. pretty small, but you know, you can go in and get glazed donuts or spotted yeah. cow or a pineapple. So, <laughs> so, well, that's good. I, I do need to get to Barber at some point in my lifetime. I don't know when that'll be, but one day. I do like that it's in April. Um, hopefully the weather's not... You said it was like 90s? Friday and Saturday were pretty warm, like mid-80s maybe. And then obviously Sunday, it, it like downpoured in the morning. And then it was beautiful by race time. So it was kind of a whirlwind of a Sunday. But yeah, it was pretty warm. It was the warmest I, I can recall in the times I've been there. Yeah, I mean... We just cracked 50 degrees for the first time today, or I mean, sorry, the second time, but you know, we had a 70 degree day and then the next morning it was 38 uh, and then they got up to 40 that day. So this is, we are now kind of out of the Minnesota winter. Thankfully it'll be, I know we're getting 70 degrees next Tuesday, apparently. So, and that's it. Like we didn't even get a spring. It's like 60 degrees all the way up to 70 and then it's going to be 90 by Memorial day. I bet. Um, all right. Well, the race. Hey, we are racing, I guess. Uh, let's see. Well, Pato Award won. So, congrats, Pato. Had a great yeah. uh, outlap, in lap on the final stint to overtake pole sitter and most laps led in the race, Rena's VK. We will talk about that in a second. Uh, Alex Pelot did overtake VK for P2. Will Power, I'll go ahead and say, was my driver of the day. Uh, from 19th to 4th. Very well done after... Was it just... I kind of missed qualifying. Did he have an issue? Was it just a case of getting caught out by a red flag? Was he just missing his lap and went off? Or did he cause a red None flag? Or what above. happened? I, I think he just did, just didn't have the pace. I don't think... I and Wow. 
I, 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 they didn't really show him on the screen at all, but I just don't think he had a good luck. Like, it, I think his, you know, flying lap on, on reds just wasn't that good. And then uh, Scott Dixon P5, which Jake Neely of Buy Insurance from Jake Neely said right. he was washed up. Yeah. So that was funny because, you know, when you qualify 13th, totally washed fifth, up. Yep. You're washed up. Although, had he qualified fifth and finished 15th, we'd just oh. call him Marco. Oh. oh, that man has a family. So, yeah, I do like Marco, though. That was more of a dig at Neely. Uh, so, Pato winning. Made some sort of comment in Victor Lane along the lines of it's better to do this when you're not having a war on the inside or something to that extent. Um, we've talked, obviously, last episode was sponsored by Aaron McLaren SP. What did you make of those comments and the fact that, you know, we were we were talking after St. Pete like, oh, boy. Like, this is trouble. He's not interested in F1 anymore. He might be jettisoning McLaren after one race. You know, I've already made his mind. Now here he is winning a race. Very strong since that moment. I mean, Texas finish wasn't good, but it had a pit stop issue. But he's P5 in points now. So what do we make of not only his comments, but now looking at where he is in the grand scheme so of things? So I, I think I want to correct one thing, at least that I said. I thought Felix was under contract for next year. He is most certainly not under contract for next year. And judging by. Okay. Ooh, that was me. Okay. I well, said that. shame on you. Well, you can. Yeah. As I say, you can make fun of me now. Now that you, now you know it wasn't you, you Idiot. can go ahead and rag me out. It's fine. But. but <laughs> <laughs> you do that so well. <laughs> so after the race, somebody was asking about Pato's contract and they said, well, what about Felix? And Taylor Kyle gave a very, you know, we'll we'll see how the year's going. Very non-committal answer, which is definitely not a good Ugh. sign. But no, we'll save that for for another day. Pato, you know, I I know the contract issue was weighing on him. We we talked about it on the media bullpen episode that came out on the weekend. Also, I talked about it with him walking to the grid before the race, I think, and. It was like I just was in my own head a little bit too much, and that affected me on track because I was pushing too hard, starting to doubt things, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that mental side of sports that gets really difficult for for somebody to handle, especially when they're, what is Pato, 23, 24, something very young. But, you know, it's good to see the contract stuff heading in, or in the right direction. It's not a 100% sign, but I don't think either of them – you know, either the team or Pato are all that worried about it at this point. And yeah, I, I think you know, now that they've gotten past the difficult part of that, they're they're a championship contender. Yeah. I, it, now that I know the Rosenquist side, oh, I hope they dump him. I mean, just he was fine in qualifying. I think it was, was I think they said it was the first time both McLaren cars have gotten into the fast six yeah. in the same weekend. And, well, at least with this combination. And he looked fine. He had the pace early. And then for whatever reason, that last stint, whether it was fuel save or tires were just terrible or setup went away or whatever, his his last stint was horrible. So he ended up 16th despite kind of running up near the top 10 for the most part. Yeah, he was top most 7 or top 8 for the most part. So that, yeah, so that's discouraging. And... 
when you hear Rossi's name being all but sharpied into that one of those seats, whether it's a third seat or replacing Rosenquist. And the Jeffs confirm that Felix does have the best looking car out of everybody. So the fact that the best looking car is not the best performing car or at least contending is suboptimal. Um, so yeah, good to see paddle. I think a, a good paddle award and a good McLaren contending car is very good for the series. Uh, their social media and their efforts behind the scenes is very good for the sport. And Pato is a very likable guy with huge market behind him. So I really hope that he can continue to succeed because that's really good for the series. The, I think obviously the, well, before we get to that, Polo earned his 11th podium since joining Ganassi, which is, I think, roughly 21 starts, if I'm not mistaken, 21 or 22 starts. That's, that's insanity, right? Like in this era of IndyCar to do that, I don't think gets enough he doesn't get enough credit for He's that statistic off to one of those like scott disc dot wow scott dixon-esque <laughs> seasons where you know, four races in he hasn't won this year but he's leading the championship because he's got at least two podiums three podiums three podiums three, and four races and a now. and a top and a seventh at texas or an eighth at texas yeah, second, seventh, yeah. third, second. So you know, imagine another top seven at Indy for double points, and he's pretty much locked himself into the top three for for the season. And that's that's very yeah, so Scott Dixon. You know, incredible. maybe he'll win one and win the championship. So I mean, mega season so far for Alex. Yeah, and he is twenty five. This is according to race, yeah. racing reference, so I think they do it when they start the year. They count their age, but so he's twenty five, Pato's twenty three, and Renis I think is what twenty twenty one. Yeah, the average age. That's was, a very young podium. podium. I think it was like twenty two point seven. I know somebody posted about it. That's insane. So that's crazy. Renis, obviously, shout out to him. Uh, he led one of the practice sessions. Everybody's like, oh okay, and then he comes out and gets pulled. It's like, all right. And then he leads. And if you want to pull uh, on the season, Barber would probably be top yeah. three that you would want. It's because hard. There's, yeah. It's very hard to work your way up. And it's very often not a single yellow. Or if there is, there's one maybe in the first couple laps. Uh, so good for him. He converted it into podium. Obviously, he would love to have gotten a win. He did mention that he does need to work on pushing it on the in laps. He said he felt he placed it, played it a little safe there on the final one, which is yeah. where Pato got him. Uh, but nonetheless... Very good job, and he's going into the Grand Prix events where he's been very strong at, where he's gotten his one Before we talk about kind of the, the main event of the weekend, shout-out to Callum Eilat, despite kind of pushing a little too hard and, and spinning there. It's pretty impressive to finish top 10 all three practice – or all two – both practice sessions, 12th in qualifying or 11th in qualifying because of Erickson spinning, and – kind of contending for a, a top 10 ish in the race before went a little wide and, and had a spin, but pretty impressive for a, a small team like Yunkos to, to show pace this weekend, at least. Yeah. And I think he remembered that Frenchie picked yeah, him. So like, we can't, we can't have that. Couldn't can't have this. So good job by Callum. Obviously 
I think he is exceeding expectations in these sessions. I think the race sessions, there are a lot of obstacles that are not helping him in races, mainly just with the team side of things with engineering and strategy and slow pit stops and things like that, that are going to set him back. So I think for us really needed to judge him based on what he's going to do in practice and qualifying. And obviously the mistake in the race was largely his own doing, but got to give him credit for showing the pace. But the biggest talking point obviously was the incidents plural between Graham Ray Hall and Roman Grosjean. To boil it down, Ray Hall thinks that Grosjean is being overly aggressive in certain situations. Uh, James Hinchcliffe, even in the broadcast booth for the collision at turn five, the two or two or three that they had, he said something along the lines that that looked like he was targeting him or something. He was deliberately driving into Ray Hall at the exit of the corner. Uh, Grosjean said something to the effects on the radio that he closed me off or didn't give me a lane or something. And Ray Hall said, this guy's a punk. <laughs> uh, where do you kind of stand on the whole happenings? Well, I'm there? sure based on social media yesterday that my take will get some F1 fans riled up. But so the first time when, when Grosjean kind of dive bombs into the hairpin there, it's like, all right, you know, a little a little too deep on the brakes to make it work, but not the worst thing ever. But when he exits the corner, I don't know if he necessarily hits Graham on purpose, but he definitely does not turn back to the to his lane. Like he definitely kind of allows his car to squeeze Graham off. So if it's anything like he's he pushed Graham off, not Graham pushing him off or squeezed him off or whatever he said. So that was the one where I don't know if it was like the most dirtiest thing I've ever seen, but it wasn't that great. He yes. didn't try yeah, not to that's a good him. way of putting it. And I don't think that makes him he... a dirty driver, but he's uh he he seems to find himself in a lot of situations this year where you're going was it Grosjean or was it the other guy? And eventually that level of doubt among IndyCar drivers is going to catch up with you. And Ray Hall was pissed this weekend. Herta was pissed this weekend. Rossi was pissed this weekend. You're, you, you need to make friends at some point. What happened with Rossi and Grosjean? I missed I miss what that? happened on the track other than when Rossi was in mega fuel save at the end and Grosjean had pace, the team said, you know, hey, let Grosjean by. And he wasn't thrilled, but did. But there's, I know something else happened this past weekend, but also listening to his show with Hinch, it was sometime in the last three weeks, he kind of alluded to like, yeah, that guy's my teammate, but he's not my friend. Like definitely there was some like subtle shade being thrown there. Because I do remember when Grosjean was announced to replace Hunter Ray, that they mentioned it for like three seconds. They're just like, Alex, do you want to talk about the new teammate coming to your team? He's like, yeah. sure don't. So there's, I don't know if it's <laughs> know, back, it. to, back to their shared F1 days or last season, but 
Yeah, and and the vibe I've gotten from talking to other people associated with the twenty seven car is they're not none of them are particularly fans of Grosjean. Which is weird because you 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 see him after the race and you see his social media and you see his interactions with the fans, you see his interactions with the media. Yep. A plus, right? A plus plus. A hundred percent nice guy, professional. You hear his comments about the collision with Ray Hall after the race, and kind of doing like, shucks, why me? I don't know what he's talking about. Just fun racing. This is what makes IndyCar great, blah, blah, blah. But then you hear his radio message three seconds after it happens, and he's like, he cut me off. Like, what the hell is he doing? This guy's a punk. And it's just like, well, well, which is it? Is it he's closing you off, and he's not racing you respectfully, and he's doing you dirty, or is it just like hard fun racing? And I know that, like, you know, the passing of time heals all wounds, as lighting says. And I don't know if by the time he gets to like gets to settle down after the the incident in the post race that he like you know gets a chance to catch his breath and like reflect on it or what, but yeah, you you hear the comments coming from various people and you kind of kind of want. I mean, Rahal said he's overstayed his welcome. Ouch. I love Graham Rahal in IndyCar. I think we need more people like him. You know, you get the bots on Twitter like, he's just daddy's money. Like, no, I mean, there was a time there from 2013 to 2014 where I think a lot of people were like, is this really going to work? Like, he's had two straight years of just ass performances. And then 2015 come around and he was with the Aero Kids. They really, he just thrived. And I think ever since then, he's been a top 10 IndyCar driver. I don't think, I don't think top five would necessarily be fair, but he's definitely got a ton of talent and not only that he's he's fun for the series like he he causes i don't want to say causes drama he's not afraid to speak his mind which has repercussions at times but i think a lot of people like that and appreciate it. there's definitely the contingency that's like ah, oh, he's just a whiny little jerk and whatever daddy's money but i think we need more people with honesty like graham so i appreciated his comments after the race especially since i was kind of on his side in this situation but even if i wasn't i'd be like well at least he's speaking his mind and not really afraid of the repercussions so i think the overstay is his welcome part though i don't agree with because grosjean does have a lot of upside for indycar obviously on the commercial side and on the fan side and it gets people talking especially when he's involved in something now when it was the corkscrew incident with johnson it's like wasn't Johnson in the lap down or whatever. So like that didn't matter. Like sure. He bowled him into him and it looked really cool in slow motion. And he got to like laugh about it after the race, but that wasn't really for position. So it didn't really matter per se versus like this was with, you know, five laps to go that he's battling someone for a top 10 spot. And uh, Graham just happens to be someone who's not going to just say, ah, shucks, whatever. And I do want I wondered I wanted to be a fly on the wall between him and Rossi to see what they were actually talking about after they ran out of fuel on the Shannon texted me because Rossi kind of Rossi kind of seemed like he agreed with whatever Ray Hall was uh, saying. I, well, I one hundred percent agree. Shannon texted me. She's like, "Can you get Rossi or Ray Hall into the press conference because I want to know what they're talking about together right now." And I could not, but I also I'm sure they agreed, but. First, I know Ray Hall and Grosjean did speak at some point Sunday after things cooled down. So, you know, that's obviously also what you you want to see. On the other hand, so was it St. Pete, Grosjean kind of barreled into Sato in practice. Tex- Texas, I don't think yeah. 
anything happened. Then Long Beach, he either almost barreled into Sato in practice or kind of like tire tapped him a little bit. I forget exactly what. And now this. So he's he's definitely he's driving a little bit more kind of like the Grosjean we remember from F1 a handful of years ago. So, Grosjean circa yeah, 2012. So, and I mean, listen, that's okay. I don't think he's a, a bad driver or anything negative. That, but it's interesting. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Yeah, so we'll we'll keep our eyes on that. I think because Ray Hall also alluded to the fact like there are a lot of others in the paddock that agree with me. So I wonder uh, wonder who they are and if people are going to start taking sides. Because I can kind of guess some of those would include Rossi, Herta, Daly, Sato. Um, I don't know about the Ganassi camp. I don't know what they think of him, but can I? Can um, I? Can we'll I see. You, sorry, I don't mean to cut you yeah, off. Go ahead. Connor, I have a Connor Daly question for you. So we're we're four races into the year. Oh, Renus VK, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, pole podium, and he's mm-hmm. been pretty quick for the most part this year. Mm-hmm. Every race mm-hmm. weekend, Connor Daly tweets like, "Couldn't didn't find the right time, but you know, got fastest lap of the race, or you know, something along those lines." Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. I don't really know how to ask the question, but are are we a little worried about Connor Daly? Outside of the Indy 500, at least? It depends on what sense. Uh, it seems like he has a sponsor that loves him, and it seems like Ed Carpenter Fair. likes him. 
I think it was kind of eye-opening with Road America last year. When, you know, you and I talked about it where he said, you know, Oliver jumps in the car and out qualifies him. And Connor, like, straight up admitted, like, I don't know if this car with this team, I don't know if I can just get to grips with it as quick as some of the other guys here. And it's like, eh, I mean, yeah. maybe last year going Because he okay, did it fine with But now where you're in week in, week out in the same car, year three of ECR or year four, I forget at this point. But... I mean, it's it's time to at least show top 10 pace. Like, has he been top 10 in a practice session this year? Not that I recall. I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm don't not sure. don't slaughter and me on social media, but he's not having a good year right now. No, and it doesn't help that Renus, Correct. you know, gets pole and then finishes on the podium. And it's, yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple things you could speculate. I, I ultimately think it's he's not meshing with the team as well as he could in some sort of regard because, you know, part of me wanted to say, Oh, maybe it's just the arrow screen. The addition of the arrow screen is he like gotten used to it. Has he gotten up to speed with the weight and things like that? But the first year of the arrow screen was when he was with Carlin on the ovals and, yeah. you know, got a pole ran pretty well at place like gateway and whatever. So I, I just don't know what is missing, but the better Renus does, the worse it looks on Connor. And yeah, I, I, I thought a change of scenery was needed after last season. And I don't think this year has changed my mind. I would love to see if that bit Nile was tied to Ed Carpenter, or if he could take that to somebody else next year. Cause I think a desperate change of scenery is needed for Connor. Cause he's awesome. He's a fantastic yeah. driver. Something is clearly not working though. And I do agree. I think that the tweets afterwards had a good pace and had the fastest outlap of the race, but unfortunately couldn't. It was like, Ugh. yeah, it's just kind of like, just, like, just okay. move on. I get, I get it. You're trying to be positive and that's a good thing, but I don't know. But you know, bit Nile, they bring a lot of money. Money is green. Great sponsors. Great sponsors. And speaking of great sponsors, athletic greens, <laughs> Segway swing and a miss. Uh, athletic greens, which Frenchie uses every day because he wanted, <laughs> mine still hasn't arrived, better health, more energy, optimized immune system. If you hate taking pills and want a supplement that actually tastes great and you want to see what all the hype is about, go to athleticgreens.com slash emerging with one scoop of delicious athletic greens. One, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. The special blend of ingredients supports gut health, nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I can't make the aging joke more than one time a month or, or so while, while they're on board here. So it is lifestyle-friendly, whether you're vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, etc., etc. No GMOs, only one gram of sugar, no nasty chemicals or artificial flavorings supports better sleep quality and recovery and mental clarity and your subscription if you go to athleticgreens.com slash emerging also comes with a year supply of vitamin d plus five free travel packs and i'll keep this one short this week so again athleticgreens.com slash emerging to get your 
your supply of vitamin D, your athletic greens, and five free travel packs. What do we have left? Predictions and driver of the day and that fun stuff. I saw. Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> uh, uh, Last week after the episode, we did take Frenchie to the woodshed and um, made sure that he retracts his statement that it tastes bad and that it's the best tasting thing that he's ever tasted in his entire life. So um, that is Frenchie approved and the French have excellent taste buds. So uh, two more things before I get to driver of the day and predictions. The first is that is the lack of consistency from Colton Herta driving you nuts. Bonkers. I, I just feel like he's out to show the world that he's an amazing driver because he has this F1 test driver contract and, you know, it's being talked about in the F1 sense. And, you know, the internet is anti-Colton Herta. The F1 internet is anti-Colton Herta because he's American, so he's maybe putting some pressure on himself, but you just got to take the points some weekend. Like He was probably going to finish 6th or 7th, and he just, just, just wait. Just be patient. Instead, you spin. Luckily, he was able to recover and didn't get stuck, but yeah, it's, it's two, two races in a row. He's screwed himself out of a decent chunk of points, including a win. Yeah, it's infuriating, especially when you look at him. The, the qualifying session could have gone better, obviously, with the getting caught out. But uh, he's a no question about it. He's a top three Easily. talent in the series. And just to, to see him, what is he, like 11th in points right now because of kind of self-inflicted stuff slash bad pit stop slash not fueling the car slash whatever. Basically there's just a lot of variables playing against him affecting his result. Some are self-inflicted, some are not. And really there's no reason right now why he shouldn't be yeah, fourth in five, points, top fifth five, in points yeah. maybe. Yeah. There, it's, there's zero reason. So it's infuriating to see something like the pass attempt on McLaughlin like that's easily avoidable. Locking up into the wall in Long Beach is avoidable. On the team side, not fueling the car enough in Texas is infuriating. So, I think it, it's gonna come. He's gonna you know get back to winning. He'll probably win two to three races before the end of the season. But like you know, just gotta limit what you can limit. And like you said, you know, McLaughlin finished sixth. So you know, there's nothing wrong with the seventh after qualifying 10th at Barber. Like, it is what it is. And then you went for a three-stop, didn't work out. Pack it in, move on. Because who was the f- best of the three-stop? Grosjean. Grosjean, yeah. Grosjean, Ray Hall. Grosjean, Ray Hall. Ray Hall's no, two-stop. Was Ray Hall? Okay, so Grosjean, Herta, Erickson, Newgarden. So he, he would have been the best of the, the three-stops. I can look so, it up for you here. I don't know. You just got to kind of know... You've got to know when it's your day, not your day, and just kind of call it a day. And Grosjean take was a three get. stopper, then Herta was the next three stopper, then Erickson, if we're going just outside of the top 10. Yeah. So, could have been the best three stopper had he kind of tried to pack it in and find a better time to pass McLaughlin. But, um, let's see. The only other one I got wanted to touch on was uh, Elio up <laughs> to his usual tricks. Whoops. <laughs> Driving like an asshole and. <laughs> 
uh, wrecking people for no reason. So he got a penalty for smitting Jimmy Johnson. I'm not surprised at all in any way or shape or form. This is vintage Elio. So uh, he he continues to uh, conform to my narrative of one of the greatest Indy 500 drivers of all time. But outside of that, we'll say average at best. Definitely not off to a great start this year. Nope. And a good job by Pagano finishing P11. I think Pagano has done enough to solidify himself as kind of the the go-to driver of that team. Obviously, if slash when Elio outperforms at an Indy, his, his championship points will probably be inflated yeah. per se. But ultimately, I think Pagano is kind of the hot hand there right now. So... Who was your? I did my driver of the day. Will Power already kind of jumped the gun. Who was your driver I of the day? I will take. I'm gonna. Well, since you just mentioned him, I'm gonna take Simon Pagano. Not a, a super sexy result in P11, but starting 24th, finishing 11th definitely helps your your points and and helps you stay in the championship hunt to some degree. And he will probably be a contender for an Indy 500 win. So. He maximized the the most he could get after a, a rough Saturday. And who is your disappointment of the day? Let's see here. I'm looking at the results. Felix Rosenquist plummeted nine spots, probably five or six of those right before the last pit stop. I think he's is when he started the fall off, and then I think he was on fuel save at the end there. And yeah, not a good weekend or not not a good Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to go with Joseph Newgarden. You know, when you're not finishing first, you're apparently you have to finish around 15th. <laughs> um, obviously, the three-stop kind of burned him, but, you know, you look at Grosjean and Herda and Erickson, they were able to slightly recover. Obviously, Erickson did finish outside the top 10, but for for Newgarden, I'm not quite sure what happened on that final stint because he was kind of lingering around Grosjean after the yellow, and obviously something happened somewhere to – the extent where I he was think way he had behind to save him, fuel so. because guys oh. like him, him and a few others, you know, they pit on lap 10. So they pit real early in the race. It's either lap 10 or 11. And eventually that catches up to you. Yeah. I thought I would have thought the yellow would have negated that so that they all would have been on the same kind of, if they all had to pit at once, something happened somewhere where guys, certain guys had to save fuel and certain guys didn't, whether that was their final stop, if they had to pit early or whatever, but um, so yeah, obviously disappointing that the championship leader only got 14th and it's now jumped there. You dropped yeah. a P three. So, um, maybe some more, I mean, obviously winning's great, but consistency as Polo is already proving is key. Uh, predictions, uh, for winner, you had Pato. So congratulations. French, you had Polo. So also congratulations. Shannon and McLaughlin, six, it's fine. I had Erickson, not fine. Uh, Dark Horse top 10, Shannon at Harvey. Nope, that's looking as likely as his uh, top five championship. You had Kirkwood. Uh, He got really screwed on an early pit stop, but somehow finished. I think he finished on the lead lap, didn't he? I don't think so. No, he finished one lap down. But he did beat both of his teammates. So, so despite the 30-second pit stop going a lap down early, still didn't finish last on the team. Frenchie had Eilat. Thanks, Frenchie. And I had Sato. 
and I think Sato finished 12th, 13th, so you got pretty damn close. Uh, most struggle, Shannon Apato. Shannon did not have a, a good week. Uh, host had McLaughlin. Uh, no, Frenchie Apagino, not really. I Grosjean, not really. Uh, first out, nobody got it right because nobody was out. And then best rookie uh, was Lungard. Four wheels and an engine, baby. Let's go. Uh, Frenchie Dylot, you at Kirkwood, and Shannon had so baby Mac. Funny so. story about four wheels and an engine. At some point, was, was <laughs> it this weekend or was it yesterday? I don't remember. It might have been Sunday when I was driving back, but Cashew Johnson texted Frenchie and I, and she said, What the hell is four wheels and an engine, and why do you guys talk about it every IndyCar episode? So we explained to her, and she thought it was funny, and such is life. But I did run into him this weekend, and he was very friendly. So I'm not saying that like totally changing your I, mind. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Me and Frenchie are on a mission to civilize you. And step one is to get you to like, well, Frenchie's on, on my, so on my side are... on that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not I guarantee you. He is. I'll, I will. Sh- I'll show you the messages after the episode. Sorry, Frenchie. I'm writing you out. <laughs> I mean, listen, I think he's talented. I will say that. Like, I don't think he's a untalented untalented driver or anything negative just the the interaction was a little rough the first time but he was very friendly this weekend yeah so that happens maybe i can be convinced uh, um yeah i just gotta get past all of our political talk we like to we like to take our politics off of twitter sometimes yeah, and just rant to each other instead um the only thing i had is that wasn't barber related was uh that the 33rd entry was officially guaranteed or is officially going to happen based on the entry list that has been finalized however we still don't know who it is but all signs are pointing to some sort of dragon speed foyt something don cusick something stefan wilson something yay uh that's really the only news that there was outside of the race weekend this week. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to bring up or no. I think you know that's a good place to to end it. But yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to see Stefan back. Hopefully, this smorgasbord of a team can you know be be relatively competitive. So I'm excited to see how they do. And I found it. I'm gonna start cheering for Lungard with you to annoy Host and Shannon. He says, you already dislike Elio, so I might as well join you on the Lungard fan club, too. And this was on April 10th. All right. All right. I see how it is. I see how it there is. There you go. Well, one of you can still stay in my yeah. in my house in two weeks. The other is on questionable <laughs> grounds now. Wait, we both, we're both fans of them. <laughs> I know. I know. That doesn't make any sense. I know. Clearly, I'm very tired. It's been a, It's been a super long Tuesday. I've been up since about four o'clock in the morning. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to text him right now just to yeah. fill him in. But yeah, hey, yeah. thanks for listening, everybody, everybody. Now you can have a lovely weekend of racing. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America, 
This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!